If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a dentist. But instead of filling you in on ways to save on your policies, he'd probably be too busy filling in that loose crown. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent, who will use their expertise to polish up your policies, from home and auto to renters, motorcycle, boat, and RV too. So while, yes, your dentist can save your smile, your GEICO agent could save you money, which will make you use that smile a whole lot more. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com slash local. So we have a few callings going on today in the Holy Scriptures. And if there's a character in Scripture that we learned as a kid, as children, it's Jonah. Remember Jonah in the belly of the great fish and he got thrown up on land? Well, there's, there's lots of that story. We're not going to go into too much detail, but... You can't just give Jonah the first part of the story. You've got to fill in the, 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 the catchy part. So you heard what he, he was told. God told him. Now, how did God tell him that? Inspiration. Prayer. I don't think it was the voice of God speaking in his ear. It was the voice of God speaking in his heart. And that's how God speaks to us in our hearts. Discerning what is right and wrong. Discerning what we should do next on our journey of life. So he, he looks at Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a huge city uh, way up in Mesopotamia. As a matter of fact, I read an article in Biblical Archaeology just last week about the ruins of Nineveh. About a hundred years ago, scholars and archaeologists from France and, and Great Britain went there to research and to bring back elements of the ancient Assyrian Empire. As a matter of fact, two of those huge lions, a little bit of archaeology here besides mass this morning, two of those huge lions are at the Metropolitan Museum of Art during the reign of um, Sargon. The lion has a face of a man, the body of a lion, and the wings of a bird. They're huge. And they were part of the archaeology of that great kingdom. So it was a great kingdom. But Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital, and Nineveh was, well, a city of bad reputation. So God looks at the people of Nineveh and sends Jonah to go tell them, hey, get your act together. Time is near. Very much like Jesus will say in, in the Gospel of Mark. Get, get your act together. You either join or you go to hell, basically. You join me, and you'll save yourselves, if not... The end is near. So now Jonah, you got to realize, Jonah didn't want to do that. He was reluctant. I mean, think of it. Put yourself in his shoe or his sandals, whatever you want. And he's being given a task as a Jew, as a monotheist, to go into this polytheistic culture of great monarchs and declare to them, you're messing it up. You're doing it all wrong. You got to reform. There was no reason for them to say, okay. And Jonah said, oh, I don't want to do that. I mean, you know how many times? I, sometimes I say that in the morning when the alarm goes, oh, I don't want to get up. But that's, well, he got up, I got up, and, and Jonah got up. But Jonah resisted. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And he ran away. God said, go this way. He went that way. Don't we do that? 
Don't we do that? We know what we're supposed to do. We do our way instead of God's way. Mm, how often in our lives we do that. So he goes and he hops on a boat and is going to escape. Like he can escape God, right? It, it gives you the idea of the omnipotent presence of God in the world, in creation. So he gets on the boat and they sail away. And what happens? The boat starts shaking, winds come, storms come, and, and the people on the boat, they don't know who Jonah is, he just hopped the boat and is paying for his ride probably. He knew. He says, you know what? I think God is angry at me. I, I, I think my God sent me on a mission that I refused to take on. So you better throw me overboard because if not, you're all going to sink. <laughs> they took his word, they throw him overboard. And then the story continues that a great fish, we don't know what kind of fish, great fish gobbles him up and he lives in the belly of the great fish for three days. If you get, again, if you go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which has magnificent artwork, uh, you'll see many renditions of this idea, the great fish and Jonah coming out of its mouth. Because the early Christians looked at that as a, as a symbol and a forerunner of what Jesus would do in the belly of the earth for three days before the resurrection. So when you see a picture of Jonah today, it reminds us of the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so he's in the belly of the, of the fish. He gets thrown up on land, rests, and then takes on the mission eventually. And he goes and he declares what we heard today in Nineveh. Repent. God is with you. Repent. For 40 days, you have to do this. Reminiscent of our 40 days of Lent or 40 generations of the people of Israel in the desert. He knows they're not going to repent. He knows they're not going to listen to this little Israelite from nowhere and they're going to repent. They do him one better. From the king on down to the last person, they repent. How they repent, we hear, they, they don sackcloth. They put on, uh, it was a, a way of uh, self-mortification. Ashes on their heads, as we do at Ash Wednesday, and sackcloth, itchy cloth, under their clothes. It's a way of mortifying the flesh. And they repent. So God is right, Jonah is wrong. As famous as Jonah is, God is right, Jonah is wrong. The second reading reminds us of that theme. Get your act together because it's all going to be for nothing pretty soon. Now, that's been going on since the first century, that reading. And is it, is it applicable to today? Yes, it's not a sign of the end of the times. But it is a warning that the times will end someday. So Paul is saying to the people of Corinth, and us, by the way, hey, get your act together. Reform your lives. Live as if nothing's going on of importance. Focus on God because he's coming back. Part of Paul's early theology of the imminent return of Jesus. He thought in, his, in the early readings, he changes it later, that Jesus would return in his lifetime. Obviously, he didn't. So later on, you hear him looking forward to the end times. But the idea of it is always be ready. 
which, which uh, armed forces say, semper paratus, always be ready. Always be ready for God in our lives. And always be ready for God to be speaking to our lives. You know, you woke up this morning, you come to early mass, you go home, you do your business. Okay, um, God called you. God called every one of us. We woke up with the alarm, we woke up with someone calling us, we woke up with the pot of coffee. It doesn't matter how you woke up. God called you. And God said to you, okay, time to come to the table of the Lord. Time to come and be refreshed and nourished by God's holy word and the Eucharist. But it doesn't seem like God. It was. It is. The Holy Spirit gets into all of us and inspires us to do what God wants if we are open to the Holy Spirit. God's not a, a, a ventriloquist or a marionette player. We don't do it because God wants us to do it. He gives us the choice. And you saw what happened with Jonah. Gave him the choice. He ran away, but eventually he came back. Now we go to Jesus, the New Testament. The Word of God made flesh. The Word of God alive on earth. And there are various renditions of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. We know that. This rendition of the calling of the apostles is different than John's evangelist rendition. But that's all right. It doesn't matter. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Most of them weren't there. They just got it by word of mouth. So Jesus is going along, and he says, well, we know John the Baptist is already dead. And last week we heard John the Baptist say, look, look, see that guy walking out on the ridge? That's the Lamb of God. That's the new Lamb of God. And that Lamb of God comes before John the Baptist and gets baptized. Do you remember that? Now, this is later, and Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, the, uh, Lake Gennesaret, it's also called. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee. It's a vast sea. It's, it's huge. It's, it's a huge, huge lake. Very popular, plenty with fish. We were there two years ago, and we were on a boat in the lake. It was gorgeous, just a beautiful, beautiful experience to, to know that that's the lake that Jesus called his apostles at. That's the lake he walked on. A wonderful experience for us pilgrims who were there. And any of you who've gone there, you know that, that spiritual event. But it wasn't a spiritual event for fishermen. They were working. You heard that. Zebedee's sons are working with him. The other ones are working. They're getting their hands dirty. Jesus knows what they're doing. You're fishing now for fish? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Fishers of men, we say. But men, not anthropos, but ominous. I will make you fishers of people. Did they know what that meant? Not fully. I'm sure. But they trusted him because they trusted John the Baptist, his cousin, who told them, that's the lamb, that's the one you got to follow. And all of us, we have that experience, whether you're single or married, whether you're divorced or, or a widow, whether you're a child or a parent or a great-grandparent. We're all called every day to do God's will. And we have a choice. We can do like Jonah. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I would, I'd rather do my will, God, not yours. And some of us know what that means. That means revenge. That means getting even. That means prejudice. That means hate. 
because none of that is God's will. But some of us choose that over God, and we're like Jonah, running away. And as the author of The Hound of Heaven reminds us, he follows you. He doesn't force us to follow him. He invites us, come follow me. I will make you fishers of people. He invites us to today, 21st century, still inviting us to be fishers. Not with a pole and a catch, but of people. Through our actions of love, through our actions of patience, through our actions of kindness, through our actions of worship, coming together, asking our relatives who are not here with us today, oh, next week come to church because there's this space. There's distant space and there's appropriate space. And pray God when the vaccine is completely dispensed and we all have had it, our church can be as full as it should be representing the living body of Christ. That's our goal, temporary goal. Our ultimate goal is to welcome all people always and to do his will. And every one of us in this church now has to go inside our heads and say, what is and what was God's will for me? Did I choose where I am now? Did I choose it correctly? Did I act on where I am now because God nudged me along? Did I respond in prayer and action to God's will for me? Am I doing God's will? And you might say, well, you know, we, we believe we're here in church. Yeah, we, we come to do God's will. But what about all those other people out there? They're also called. And we pray with and for them that they discern and get to know the God's will in their as well as our lives. Whether we're grammar schools or whether we're retirees, God's will is still there asking us to do what's right. The, the donning of ash, ashes and sackcloth is reminiscent of a few weeks from now when we'll be called together as a church to acknowledge our weakness before God and put the ashes on our heads. And this year it'll be different how we get ashes. They won't be imposed with a finger on every head. Father will announce how it will change that. But it'll be, it'll be a way of all of us receiving ashes. But the ashes are not the real thing. The, the action that follows the ashes is the real thing. Repentance. Cleaning up our act. Whether it's literally cleaning the street when we see trash. Always wear gloves, please, you know, now. Or whether it's reconciling and cleaning up a relationship that we're really nasty with. And this could be people that we love. You know, the ones we hurt the most are the ones we love. Because the rest that we hurt, they'll say, the hell with you, get out of my face. But those you love and your children and your spouses, they're not going to say that. So it's up to each one of us to do God's will in our relationships, in our business affairs, in our neighborhood, in our politics. That's why we're here. You hear, you hear the voice of God calling you? He is. Listen. Thank you.
Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should, too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.